All right, welcome to Tub Talk Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Donovan Place, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Ben and Colin, as usual. You know the deal. Um, it's been a while. Uh, we had to take a little bit of a break. School, I guess, is more important than the podcast life. But uh, I think in this episode, we're mostly just going to do one big uh, This Week in Sports. We should probably just call it This Month in Sports. We, we have a lot to recap um, yeah, for the first half of April. It. Oh, yeah. So we're going to actually start with Colin this time because Colin has basketball, and we'll talk a little uh, March Madness. And didn't we didn't we have, like, a bracket pool? Does anyone know how that ended up You're going? We're supposed to have a guest on. Whoever finished the best, we're just going to come on the show. Um, I guess we got to do second place now. Donovan ruined it for everyone. Yeah, so our first ever bracket pool – our our glorious host yes me thank you thank you thank you for the applause won the bracket pool um so obviously i'll i'll how about i decide who ends up being the next guest i'll 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 message a couple people out there but we'll we'll have some fun with it but uh more importantly i won the giant cash pool so that's that's always fun um but yeah let's let's go into just the back half of March Madness. So actually, you know what, Colin, this is your segment. So you, you take it away. Yeah. We, uh, I think we left off after the round of 32, I believe was the last time we recorded. It's been a long time. Sorry. If you can hear the police sounds behind me. Um, <laughs> this tournament was full of a lot of unexpected, um, upsets from teams that got hot at, at the end of the season, the Pac-12 dominated, the Big Ten and the Big 12 struggled, and still at the very end, we got the two teams that most people thought um, were going to make it, and the two teams that all year we've been saying are the two best teams in college basketball. So let's see, where were we at? Let's let's just go to the final four. Um, UCLA, what the hell happened to UCLA? They got hot out of nowhere. They were a play-in team, probably a little better than that. They were seeded a little um, poorly, in my opinion, at the time. And they go on to beat Michigan State, and they just go on a run. They beat um, the one-seeded Michigan, who was out without Isaiah Livers, and they took Gonzaga to the wire and gave us probably the best game of the entire season. One of, yeah. yeah. UCLA, UCLA, we can we can talk about multiple great games they played in. We had the, the game with Alabama, which needed a borderline half-court shot to send it to overtime, despite Alabama missing more than 50% of their free throws. Thank God they didn't have practice the next day. Otherwise, they would have been running all practice long. And then, obviously, the Final Four game with Gonzaga was, was I in my opinion, the best game of the tournament. Um, I, I feel like a lot of people would agree with that. Yeah, and it was at a time where it looked like Gonzaga was unbeatable the way that they dismantled USC, who was very hot at the time. Um, Yeah, and UCLA caught everyone by surprise. They led a lot of that game, and they took them right down to the wire. Jalen Suggs hit uh, one of the best shots in tournament history. And um, I I can't not mention the Cinderella team of this there's a few almost Cinderella teams. The number one Cinderella team in this bracket was Oral Roberts. 
because they went on to not only beat Ohio State, but beat Florida and take Arkansas down to the very last second and barely missed a three that would have sent them to the Elite Eight. Oral Roberts was very fun to watch. Um, What's his name? Uh, Abesmus. Abesmus and uh, O'Banner. Those two were phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, there's – a lot of craziness. We had the Oregon State Loyola matchup in the Sweet 16 was nuts. Oregon State, another team that just got really hot at the right time. And in the final four, we saw uh, after we had the, we talked about the Gonzaga UCLA game, Baylor also just um, picked Houston apart and led from. The, they 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 pulled ahead about five minutes into that game, and they didn't let off the gas, and we got the matchup that we were all waiting for in the championship. Yeah, and of course it was fitting that one of the the best tournaments in terms of upsets, close games, Cinderellas, ended in what was pretty much Baylor's game from the get go in the championship. I I feel like a lot of people would agree with me that it was a pretty pretty boring game, and you could pretty much tell that Baylor was the better team on that night in the championship game. And it was just funny after a tournament with so many great matchups, so many upsets, so much unexpected unexpected madness. And then it just ends in a game that was, that was pretty much Baylor's all the way. Yeah. And uh, credit to me when we, when we talked about a uh, college basketballer in the year, I said Baylor, I thought Baylor was going to win last year's tournament. Um, before that obviously got canceled and when I saw when everyone came back I was very excited to see uh, what Baylor could do and I mean they won the national championship but credit to Gonzaga they played very well but at some point they're gonna have to leave that conference if they want to be a legit basketball powerhouse and win a couple national championships they need to play in a better conference BYU is good um, but I mean, you, I, I would want to see how they do if you just put them over into the Pac-12. I'd be interested to see how they would fare. Yeah, because here's the thing. There's two sides of it. One, you could say, like, the Big Ten is such a good conference that all year they were just beating up on each other constantly, and it wore some of these teams out. Like, we saw Illinois, Iowa, Ohio State all out early, um, and – I mean, Michigan was the only team remaining uh, in the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight. And it was just the big time really struggled in this tournament. And you could argue that it's just because they're beating up on each other all year compared to a Gonzaga, who in the first few rounds, you know, they're playing Pepperdine in uh, San Diego all year. So, you know, they've kind of just been coasting. However, the other side of it is – when you get into games like this um, against the best teams in the country and you get down, you have not played a game like this all year long where you've been down and you had to fight your way back into a game. So I think that really hurt Gonzaga in the championship. Um, And even in the game against UCLA, it's just, you can kind of tell that this is a team that is not down often and doesn't really know they, they just it's tough when you haven't been in situations like that. So I definitely think that I caught up to him. Yeah, and 
looking ahead, we'll uh, we'll obviously have some exciting NBA draft coverage because uh, there's there's a handful of good prospects that I think are going to be really interesting and can go to some uh, interesting you know teams, interesting systems. I'm excited to see you know Kate Cunningham what he's going to look like in the league. Also, uh, good old Buddy Bayheim the way he light lit it up in the playoffs. But yeah, yeah, it was a fantastic tournament. One of the, I I don't I don't know if I want to call it my favorite. It's it might be my favorite. Lots of good moments, um, some memorable shots, and uh, yeah, I guess you, I guess you came out on top of that. All right, now Colin, uh, we haven't really talked a lot of NBA since the All Star break, so kind of give me a uh, an update on what's happening around the association post All Star break. The big news in the association right now is the injuries that just keep piling up for all these contenders and teams in general. Um, we lost our top two MVP candidates, uh, Embiid, LeBron. We lost um, Rookie of the Year, uh, LaMelo Ball. I almost said LaMelo Anthony. LaMelo Ball. And now last night we lose Jamal Murray for the season, a torn ACL. I know it's a sore subject. Um, you, I think you had the Nuggets win your championship, the Jokic guy. It, it sucks. It really sucks um, how good he played in the bubble last postseason. And he's probably having his best regular season of his career, his young career thus far. So it really, really sucks to see a player of his caliber go down like that. Um, but yeah, it's you. We kind of knew before the season, or at least I was saying that they were starting it too early, and that these injuries were going to pile up. It was the shortest off season in sports history for um, some of these playoff teams, these contenders, and so many of I, I've never seen a time like this in any sport really, where this many of the league's stars are injured. So it sucks to see, and even the guys that are healthy, KD, Harden, you know, Kawhi, some of, they're taking nights off, and it's just bad for the league. Um, you hate to see it. Uh, that's been the big news for me recently. Um, and what what were you going to ask about the uh, healthy teams? So with with the teams that are obviously going to make the playoffs, teams we expect to make a deep run. Which teams do you think? are currently healthy enough to make that kind of deep run. Uh, like you said, the Lakers, they're obviously dealing with injuries. The Nuggets just lost Jamal. What are some teams that you can see stay healthy and then kind of compete for that championship? Well, at the moment, when you look at the West, you got to uh, note the top two teams, Utah and Phoenix. They've been um, some of the healthier teams all season long. The addition of Chris Paul for the Suns has been huge. Him and Devin Booker, I mean, they mesh so well together with the rest of that roster. They uh, have a lot of other good pieces around them too. DeAndre Ayton, uh, Bridges, a lot of good guys that can help them win playoff games. And with Utah, they've been shooting the three ball so well all year. They have so many different guys that can shoot the three. Jordan Clarkson's going to win sixth man of the year. Um I gave that pick out. Let's not forget. You did, yeah. And Donovan Mitchell is uh, doing Donovan Mitchell things. Rudy Gobert could win Defensive Player of the Year. Um, And everything's just working for them right now. They're the top two teams in the West. 
And then when you look at the Lakers and the Clippers and the Nuggets, the Nuggets, I mean, I, it sucks, man. Ever since they acquired Aaron Gordon at the deadline, they've been playing so well together. Um, but it's really tough for me to, to see them winning a playoff series now without Jamal Murray. When you look at the other two L.A. teams, though, I mean, the Clippers haven't dealt with too many injuries. I mean, Kawhi and Paul George, you know, they keep kind of going on that rotation of, like, resting games and playing games. And they are statistically, like, the best three-point shooting team in NBA history right now by volume, which is incredible. Um, There's so many teams this year whose offensive ratings are just out of this world, and the Clippers are one of them. Um, They're performing at a very high level on both ends of the floor. And then there's the Lakers, who I think are going to be healthy come playoff time because you got LeBron and Anthony Davis both expected to come back maybe within the next two weeks, which is huge for them. Um, If they can stay within a top six, seven seed to get those guys back, um, they can easily get themselves out of a play-in situation. So, if they're able to get healthy right before the playoffs, uh, keep Kuzma healthy, keep Schroeder healthy, keep uh, Harrell healthy, Drummond. Um, I love the Andre Drummond acquisition, by the way, at the deadline. That was huge. And the Ben McLemore pickup. Um, I think the Lakers are going to be right back in the thick of things, and they're probably still my favorite in the West. Um, yeah, of course. When you look at the East, though, I think there's less contenders in the East. Um, The big story is the Brooklyn Nets. Um, They obviously can be beat by Milwaukee or Philly, but um, we haven't really seen Harden, KD, and Kyrie on the court at the same time much at all this year. So do you think that you know, come playoff time, if they all haven't been on the court together with each other, do you think that's going to be an issue? Or do you think they're talented enough to the point where it won't really matter and they're, they'll still win the East? I personally think uh, both are true. I think both will happen. I think you'll see games where they struggle. Um, in situations like this, uh, you usually see, like, a team will lose, like, the first maybe – They'll lose like two out of three to maybe start a series, but then they'll slowly kind of figure it out, pick it back up. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. The Lakers last year, didn't they lose their first playoff game to the Blazers and the entire world freaked out? Yeah. Yeah. They I did. can see kind of something similar happening, but you and know, in, hind- in hindsight, I think they'll figure it out. KD is obviously a veteran, Kyrie's been there. Um, Harden is obviously you know, one of our better players. So I think they'll they'll eventually figure it out. And especially for Brooklyn, they're going to have really good matchups in the first and potentially even the second round. So they can kind of afford to struggle. And they won't – I don't think that it will really matter whether they have some chemistry issues because they can afford for it to happen in the early rounds with good matchups. But by the time they get to the Eastern Conference Finals, I, I would think they would. And then potentially the NBA Finals, if they get there, I would think that as long as they're healthy, they will have at least enough to give themselves a chance in terms of chemistry. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and maybe we should talk about some of the big uh, deadline moves. 
Um, I think I mentioned the uh, a couple of pickups for the Lakers and the Nuggets. Um, we could also talk about Victor Oladipo to the Heat. That's a big pickup for them. Um, a team who struggled at the beginning of the year and who has also dealt with a lot of injuries given their like 71-day offseason. Um, they decided to trade for Victor Oladipo. Didn't have to give up a ton for it. And I think he's going to be very key for that team. And uh, Ben, you Bulls fan, you want to talk about the move that they decided to make at the deadline? Just kind of surprised. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's if if they were going to make a move, it seemed at least leading up to it like it was going to be more for Alonzo Ball. They've been very open about targeting him, and that's a guy that could be potential a target for them in the offseason because Kobe White has been very inconsistent and hasn't totally panned out yet, and Tomas Sendaransky isn't the answer either. So that's where I thought they'd go more, but I love the acquisition for Vucevic. He's got a controllable deal, pairs another really good player with Zach Levine, for years, it was kind of whether or not they'd trade Levine, but now at least it looks like they're starting to build around him, which I like that route. It hasn't panned out. It's a success yet. Uh, right after that trade, they've lost a lot of games. This was a team that was two, three games under 500 and now finds themselves like six or seven under 500. And this is a team that, that certainly has enough talent now to be competing the very worst for a play-in tournament spot, but they're not playing like that whatsoever. They've had some some really bad collapses near the end of games. We saw Zach Levine put up 50 to the night and they still lost by like 14 to Atlanta. They, they, they have their defensive issues. So I, I really like the move and I think it's going to benefit them in the long term because it sure doesn't look like it is this season. I mean, you got to think if they get into that playing game, they're still very dangerous with Zach Levine. who can score 35 on any given night and uh, one of the best big men in the league. So uh, that one-two punch is certainly dangerous to any team um, if they can get into the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I think I, I think the marketing experiment kind of needs to come to an end. I feel like he kind of just throws a wrench in the rotation. Need to let Patrick Williams develop. I, I, I wish Kobe White would kind of flatten out the inconsistencies, but the, the talent is definitely there. But I still would like them to attempt to go after Alonzo Ball in the offseason, a guy that has really fixed the three ball, has always been a great defender. And I, I, I think that'd be good for them to get Alonzo and then have a potential start spark plug like Kobe White coming off the bench if, if they were to land a sign like that. I'm not huge on the Schroeder rumors to Chicago, but I like the Alonzo Ball rumors. Yeah, Alonzo's been playing probably the best basketball of his career. He's shooting very well from three. You know how good of a rebounder and passer he is. Um, another point guard that was on the move was Rajon Rondo, who was on the Lakers last season and now ends up back in L.A. with the Clippers. I've been saying they needed a point guard. It was uh, They're not going to win anything if they don't have a true point guard. They now have that. And playoff Rondo is a real thing. So I, although he's older and doesn't make a huge impact in the regular season, I still think it's a good pickup for the Clippers. And we also saw the Raptors and Blazers make a trade in which Norman Powell got sent to the Blazers and Gary Trent Jr. to the Raptors. And I think both have uh, worked out well so far in their new uh, homes. And we, the last move that I think was notable was the Nets uh, being a, a top contender like they are picking up LaMarcus Aldridge off the buyout market. 
I think that's a big pickup. Uh, he had 20-some points the other night. So um, I think, you know, little moves like that to keep – we saw with the Lakers last season, you know, picking up guys like Marcus Markeith Morris for nothing, you know, guys who can hit uh, threes in playoff games like that are – they can go under the radar, but they're, they end up being huge in the end, so. And, and real, real, real quick, one last thing before we move on from NBA, the Blazers are kind of in a tough spot with the Gary Trent Jr. thing just because that's a guy that's going to need a new contract, plays guard. Blazers already have two of them, went healthy, two good ones. So they were kind of in a tough spot. But so far, it looks like a, like a good trade for both sides. Um, they, they both have seemed to play really well in their new places. Yeah, Portland, I still think they have a chance to win a playoff series because they have, um, obviously, Lillard and McCollum. You got you add Norman Powell to that, who's a very good player. You still have Carmelo Anthony, who last season, uh, when they played the Lakers, Carmelo had some vintage mellow moments. They have Ennis Cantor, who hasn't been bad for them. They have Nurkic, uh, Robert Covington. Uh, so they definitely have a good, nice core right there, good rotation, playoff rotation. Um, so they're definitely going to be a threat to whoever they play in the first round. I think that's about it for basketball. All right. And uh, we'll go over to Ben. Ben, I think our very last episode we had was the uh, baseball kind of preview. Yep. So uh, since the season's about a week and a half, two weeks in, why don't you tell us some of the uh, storylines, some of the key players, key teams, so far in the uh, in the MLB. Oh yeah, no. So it's it's great that that baseball is is back and haven't really had a whole lot of hiccups. There was a thing with Washington; they had their opening series delayed, and now it also seems like the Cubs are kind of getting hit by a mini outbreak, but it's it it hasn't caused any of their games to be suspended. So some things we do know: Pirates suck. We knew they were going to suck. That's that's fairly evident as they gave up a billion runs in a series to the Reds. They have shut down the Cubs and won three games against the Cubs, but the Cubs can't hit. Yeah, you want to talk about the Cubs' inability to hit, Donovan? Before I continue, I'll let you speak about that real quick. Okay. Um, in my in my predictions, when I uh, predicted the Cubs would win the division, I said that the pitching was going to surprise some people, which so far it has. Um, for the most part, the rotation's been good, not great. Davies had a little bit of a hiccup against the Pirates. Um, Williams, his last time out against the Pirates, too, didn't look great. But um, so far, the bullpens look really good. Craig Kimbrell, back to, you know, prime Kimbrell form. Um, but, yeah, the offense is – it's 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 just not there. Um I know me and Ben were talking earlier. Chris Bryant's the only kind of, you know, he's the diamond in the rough at this point. He's up there and leading the league in extra base hits. He's putting together a pretty good season. Um, we were looking at guys like Rizzo, Baez, Hap, Contreras, guys that really needed to have a big year. They're just not performing. Um, I think the only thing I can say is this, is that um, – you know, it's a long season. We still got – I mean, the Cubs, they still got 152 games left. At some point, they will figure it out. And the thing I'm praying on at this point is that instead of not being able to hit in uh, September, maybe we can't hit in April. We can just now hit every other month. 
So, and they got that's what I'm hoping. They got to get it figured out soon because this is a team with a bunch of expiring contracts. So if they don't get it figured out within the next month, two months, there's going to be a ton of moves out of Chicago. In about a in a in about a month, a month from now, mark it on the calendar, whatever. Make a little star. A month from now, I will have my full opinion on the Cubs because right now it's a little up in the air. Pitching's good. The offense. I'm I'm just waiting for that one game where we touch up a guy, score like eight or nine runs, hit four homers. Okay, total we'll, your, your hit output from the entire rest of the season combined. We get it. No, no, that's fair. That's fair. Give yes, it no, I get it. No, we, we get it, Ben. We're not all no, the Reds I don't, who have fucking eight guys who can go off and hit 25 homers in the first week. I don't think it's fair to judge the Cubs based on ten games. Just like it's not fair to judge the seven and three Red Sox or the seven and three Reds. It's it's a, yeah. a league that's not one two weeks in of April. Yeah, so, yeah. I'll go over a couple other surprises. Um, Reds, I just mentioned a team that had one of the worst batting averages of all time last year has been destroying pitchers. I know people just consistently bring up, oh, they played the Pirates for three games. Well, they also scored twenty seven in three games off the Cardinals. So I don't, I don't, I think they, their offense this year has really fixed some things. They seem to be taking the hit the ball hard instead of hit it in the air approach. And it's been working. Some other things, the White Sox have had, have had their struggles. They, they seem they're five and five, but they seem to have had some struggles with runners in scoring position. Larusa doesn't seem like he's adapted to the modern style of baseball yet as evident by their shift numbers. The fact that, old guys are getting more playing time than younger guys just because he wants to play everyone and Lance Lynn throwing a million pitches in two starts. But either way, I'll move on. I like what I've seen out of the angels. Wait, 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 wait. I want, I want to hear yeah. Colin, the big, the big Sox fan here. I want to hear his opinion on the Sox so far. Explain to me why the hell Nick Williams is starting tonight over Andrew Vaughn for the second night in a row. Explain Nick, that to me. Nick Williams had a short stint in Cincinnati last year. Sadly, we never got to see the all-Nick outfield with Nick Castellanos, Nick Senzel, and Nick Williams. That would have been a dream of mine. But sadly, so that didn't happen. Man starting over Andrew Vaughn, who needs major league – he needs reps. He hasn't been he, – he has, he's, had a, he's had a good on-base percentage. I mean, you got to get this guy reps. What is Nick Williams – what is that doing for you? Same thing with Billy starting games before he got hurt as well. I mean, yeah, I, Billy wouldn't have gotten much playing time if Tim Anderson never got hurt. They lost uh, Eloy. They lost um, Tim Anderson. No no no, 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 they didn't lose Eloy. Eloy he died. died. He's dead. Died. He's Eloy dead. is dead. dead. Eloy Jimenez dead. is died in the world. Abreu is wearing his red gloves. Eloy died. We had. He's gone. They hung up his jersey. Did they retire? I think they retired his jersey. <laughs> yep, they retired his jersey. They're building the statue <laughs> next weekend. <laughs> and it's like Tony LaRusso. I, I, dude, it's just it makes no sense to me. He's doing the old man thing, and he does it all the time. And the season just started. I, I, I warned you. I warned you. I literally, oh, yeah. I told, I told all Sox fans. People are like, okay, it's not bad, even. Even with the whole DUI shit, I told you, Tony Larusa is by the book, old school manager as it yeah. gets. He, I mean, like Ben mentioned, Lance Lynn threw a million pitches. It's going to be interesting to see with the shortened season. He didn't pitch a whole lot of innings this year. 
I'm interested to see if, you know, his arm will still be intact by June or July. I will but. say I love me some Lance Lynn. That man is awesome. He's a bulldog. He goes up there fearless. Um, he's confident in this stuff. I love him. Dallas Keuchel struggled a little bit, but he'll be fine. He was very good last season. Um, the bullpen's been a little shaky. Um, some guys have shown a lot of good stuff. Michael Kopech out of the pen has been phenomenal so far. Um, it'll be interesting to, to see if he works his way into a, uh, the ro- starting rotation this year. Um, and your mean Mercedes, we got to talk about your mean Mercedes. He, I think he's still batting over 500. Um, everyone's like, who the hell is this guy? I remember watching him in spring training like two years ago. And I'm like, man, this guy's a tank. And, uh, he hit that absolute moonshot out of guaranteed rate against the Royals in the home opener. That was electric. The Sox, I don't know if you guys watched last night. They're doing the cool thing with the lights when you hit a home run. Yep. And the lights are flashing and shit. I love it. Adam Eaton has been – I kind of ripped the Adam Eaton signing. He has been phenomenal this to start the year. I kind of forgot how good he was um, in that World Series for Washington a couple of years ago. Um, like, walk, watching it back, I, I watched a little recap of that series. I don't know why. It was in my recommended. And Adam Eaton was huge in that series. Um, I'm glad to have him back. Um, he, we got him for the cheap, the low, and he's been very good. He leads the team in home runs and probably RBIs at this point, but we'll be fine. I know we struggled. We can't hit with score, score runners in scoring position, but at least we're getting runners in scoring position. It'll come. Uh, we, I think our first in baseball and walk rate, uh, we have a lot of guys who take big hacks and we're doing, we're doing good so far in strikeout rates, um we're not i think we're in the top 10 in strikeout rates which is good our pitchers have been striking all people out a lot i think we're top five in strikeouts so far and yeah a lot of positives um some boneheaded mistakes on defense have cost us a few wins but we'll be fine trust the south side we'll be fine yeah i my only thing with the south side right now is that there there's a lot of flash there's a lot. Of, I mean, Abreu obviously won, won the MVP last year. He's looked really good. Um, he had the two grand slams to start the year. Um, I mean, very good. Tim Anderson hurt. Um, like you said, your mean Mercedes. He's been a really nice bright spot for them. I'm not sure how Robert's doing. I haven't watched a whole lot of Sox games. Um, I know Mokata's kind of had his ups and downs so far. Eaton's been playing well. There's just a lot of flash with this team and, you know, having the old school guy like Lou Russa, I, I think it's just, I don't like the manager signing. I, I like the White Sox team. I really do. They're a really talented team. They're going to be good for, you know, hopefully the next five, six years, something like that. But I just, the manager with this team, it just doesn't add up. And I think it's really going to cost them. Yeah. Again, um, I want to pull up the stat. I want to be, for sure. I want to get this right. Uh, Nick Williams has a career negative 21 defensive war. I don't know if that's made up or if that's real. Um, for some reason, I'm believing that it's real. Yeah, it's real. Yeah, his his war sucks. He is not a good player. Uh, and he this two games in a row. He's getting credit for um, an error last night. He got he got the walk off hit. 
and the dude threw it off Grandal's hel- uh, helmet, whatever. Um, should have been an out. And Nick Williams getting credit for it. He's getting back in the lineup. Andrew Vaughn uh, should be starting every single day, but he's not for some reason, from some ungod. I don't know. Uh, but we find I, I trust that we'll get our shit together. And uh, yeah, I, I every game is still very exciting to watch. Been a lot of entertaining shit so far this year. All right, I'll touch on a couple last things before we move on. Things that aren't about our favorite teams. The Dodgers and Padres been as good as expected. Dodgers are eight and two, Padres are eight and three. So that's going to be a battle all all regular season long. That's really no surprise. Padres lead the league in ERA so far. Musgraves with a no hitter the other night, which was awesome for for him, San Diego guy. So that's sick. Um, but yeah, those two teams being good was no surprise. And then one last thing: Braves have had, I guess, somewhat struggles. They started zero and four. Uh, and then lost the Sunday night baseball game the other night to one of the worst replay non-overturned calls ever because Alex Bohm clearly never touched home plate, but New York, I guess, thought differently. So that that gypped the Braves. So they're four and six and are on their way to four and seven because Max Fried has given up eight runs to the Miami Marlins. Ace of that staff had an off night tonight. So I, I, I don't really take a lot of stock in that the Braves lineup is just so good from top to bottom that they're going to be fine as Nolan Arenado just tees off and sends one into the outfield bleachers in St. Louis. Nolan Arenado has been great for the Cardinals. That's no surprise either. So a little all over the place, but some surprises and then some stuff like Nolan Arenado being good at hitting is just no surprise to start the season. I believe he's hit and Nolan Arenado has had a hit in every Cardinals game so far, except one, I believe. I, I believe his hit streak was snapped yesterday, but then obviously gets it back today with a home run. By the way, there is no way the Red Sox keep this up, right? I mean, they're, oh, no. they're, they're awesome so far, and I think J.D. Martinez leads the league in RBIs. Or, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, se- se- Seven and three, but it's not It's not seven wins against the Dodgers and Padres. It's, it's the it's, Orioles. Yeah. Yeah, they're the – The Orioles, they're, they played someone else, though. That's – that's one of the main reasons I didn't bring them up as one of my surprises, just because I don't really see that being sustainable. I think some of the other teams that are off to off to hot starts, um, but playing against better teams and showing more are more sustainable, but not the Red Sox, especially they're going to be playing the Rays who, who always are good and the Yankees and even the Blue Jays. I don't see, they haven't played any of those. Uh, I don't see this being sustainable. Yeah, Ben, you got a big win in fantasy baseball this week. Yes, I beat bracket champ Donovan Place despite being put in like a 60-point hole from a negative 21 Luis Castillo start along with some other horrible starts on opening day. But I battled back. Guys showed up in the second half of the matchup, and now now we're on to the next one where I got to come back once again from a 39-point Tyler Glass now outing last night with 14 strikeouts. So, well, that is brutal. Yep. I got to win against Connor. Good, good 1-0 start. I also started off poorly – finish strong now i'm playing mario yeah my issue with my team is i did draft enough starting pitchers and i am i am the waiver wire god you, you scrambled on saturday and sunday but i was up by enough at that point Ooh. i i went i went starting pitching i, I kind of top heavy at the beginning of the draft i got uh i got woodruff bauer and castillo and then kind of went offense from there on out and then refinished my rotation at the end of the draft so that strategy's looked good so far 
I've done pretty good in points scored. It's just funny because like every one of my starters pitches on the same day. And then there's just nothing for four or five days because I have a lot of aces of the staff. Yep. Yeah. Lance yep. got me a ton of points. That one start LaRusso let him go. Nine game. Yeah. He had yep. 11 strikeouts. So moving on, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL. Um, not a whole lot kind of middle of the off season. Um, the one big story since we last talked about the NFL was the draft trade. Um, the Niners, I forget what pick they were. They were picked, I think I want to say 13. Yep, it was right in that area. I, I, I think 13's right. They were in front of Minnesota. So Yeah, and they trade up to get the fifth pick. No, sixth pick. No, seventh, right? San Fran? Yeah. San Fran moved up to three. San Fran moved up to th- Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. San Fran moved up to three, and then – Miami moved back and then traded back up to six with yes. Philly. That's yes. where he got six Okay, from. That's right. Yep. Okay. So the Niners now have number three overall pick. This is very interesting because uh, San Fran needed a quarterback, but they still have Garoppolo. So there's a, there's a bunch of different options. We obviously, I think we I think it's a consensus that Lawrence is going one, Wilson is going two, and then at three – Anyone from Trey Lance, Mac Jones, and Justin Fields can all be picked. Justin Fields is slipping down at draft boards. He's a guy that we could potentially see fall on draft day. I don't see why. That dude has so much talent. He's falling for no reason. But anyway. There's always a dude that falls. There's always a dude that falls in the draft. That that needs to be like our first shirt. Um, but anyway, anyway, anyway. Um it's very interesting because I think Justin Fields would fit Shanahan's offense perfectly. I think Trey Lance would as well, but I think Trey Lance needs a year to sit, which would be perfect because I don't see them trading Garoppolo this year. But it's rumored that Shanahan likes Mac Jones the most, and I think this is very interesting because I didn't think Mac Jones – was going to be a top five pick. I think if San Fran really wanted just to sit back at 13, I think they would have had a guy like Mac Jones fall into their lap, but he's quickly risen up leaderboard or draft boards. And uh, he's rumored to go third overall. Um, The Dolphins are obviously now picking sixth instead of third. Um, They moved back. We assumed that they were going to take a wide receiver at three. Looking at the teams ahead of them, they still can get a guy like Jamar Chase, maybe a Jalen Waddle down at six. Um, and then the Eagles move all the way back to 13. I'm I'm interested to see what Philly does. I, I don't I don't like that Philly move. I think six would have been really nice to have a guy like Jamar Chase. I think so too, but they need draft capital. That roster needs a lot of work. And maybe we see them if one of the three between Chase, Waddle, and Smith is is at seven or eight. Maybe they use a little bit to go grab them. But it's just a team that needs a lot of work to, to recoup a little bit of draft capital, I, I think, is, is, is really important. Yeah, I, I like to move a lot for Miami because every year quarterbacks end up going higher than we initially think they will. So I think there will be a – uh, there are teams that are going – or I initially thought there's teams that are going to want to trade up for their pick and possibly picks after that. 
So it makes sense for them to move down. I still think they can get Jamar Chase at six, which is probably what they're hoping for at this point. Um, who's at four? Is it the Atlanta Falcons? Atlanta, yep. and then since he has five. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where uh, Penne Sewell goes because he's, I mean, he's the most surefire pick in the draft. You know, he's going to hit. Um, but yeah, the, the Mac Jones thing is very interesting to me because the Justin Fields seems like a perfect fit, almost a little too perfect there. And personally, I'm rooting for that because I would love to see that. Is there any chance they don't go with a quarterback here? There's no. I would be. I would be shocked. Um, yeah. I mean, if they do, I it would obviously it would have to be a receiver because they wouldn't. I don't. They, think, I mean, they could. They take, wouldn't. I don't think they give up that capital though to go get a receiver. They already yeah. have Ayuk and uh, they obviously Kittle and then uh, Debo Samuel. That's yeah. three very good weapons. Mostert's good out of the backfield as well. So I don't think they need another weapon. I, I, I love the Justin Fields fit for that offense that does a lot of motion, crossers, all that type of stuff. Kyle Shanahan's a genius with play design. I think Justin Fields, a guy that can get out and run too, that would be such an athletic offense to pair with a healthy, uh, a dominant when healthy defense. That's, that vaults them right back into potentially the top of, of the NFC West. Yeah, and – Although, like, Sewell is so good, um, you never really see teams trade up uh, the way that they did for a lineman, you know? Right. Um, and they're not a team that's desperate for linemen, although you, we do know that they're run heavy um, and Sewell will be a huge help. But I certainly got to believe that they're going quarterback here. And you're right. They could even go with Trey Lance and have him uh, not start the season because, you know, he's still got Jimmy G and – I also think that he needs a little time before he can make his first start. So I agree with you on that. Um, very exciting stuff. If you had to put, if you had to put your bottom dollar on it, who are the Niners taking at three? I'm going to go Justin Fields and then someone makes a move up to four for a Trey Lance. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's my bet. I'm going to go Fields as well. And I know we've been saying Atlanta could take a quarterback, whatever, but they don't need a quarterback. I think they're also going to trade that pick. Yeah. They could mm, – yeah, because I think there will be another team that's hungry for a quarterback and will want to trade up. Although I could see them staying and taking a lineman. Yeah. Well, I don't know. For me, if I had to put my bottom dollar on it, that kills me to say it. I think the Niners take Mac Jones, um, mostly because with all the rumors swirling around, and we obviously saw Shanahan be the uh, coordinator at Atlanta. Wasn't he also the coordinator in Washington? Yeah, or I he he was on staff in Washington. Yeah, he was on so, staff in Cleveland too with with the Brian Hoyer thing for a little bit. So yeah, so you've seen him uh, succeed in offenses like Brian Hoyer, like Kirk Cousins, like Matt Ryan, guys that are typically pocket passers and not too mobile, I think would be the best way to put it. Um, so I think them drafting Mac Jones kind of makes sense because he is projected to be that pocket passer who's not incredibly mobile. Um, but we'll obviously see. I like Trey Lance and Justin Fields more as a prospect, but I think Mac Jones could 
is probably more NFL ready day one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one quick note before we move on to something else. The NFL draft is coming up later at the end of the month. Going to be very exciting. We're going to have to do an episode breakdown on our uh, mock drafts. Mock drafts are one of my favorite things in all of sports. I love mock drafts. Two weeks weeks from Thursday. So I say we do like maybe a – I don't think – I wouldn't do the whole first because I'll break it down pick by pick, but maybe we do the top half. I think that's really where the most madness is going to happen anyway. All five QBs should be gone by that point. Um, yeah. I certainly have. I think all five QBs will be gone by the top ten. And uh, there's some there's some other great guys too. Like I I really think that there's a chance like Kyle Pitts ends up going eight to Carolina, gives some weaponry to Sam Darnold. Not that as of right have, now they already have weapons of, anyway. But as of right now, I think Kyle Pitts if they don't trade the pick. I think Kyle Pitts goes to Atlanta. Okay. I think I just think they'll trade the pick because I think someone who really wants their franchise guy will give them a a, a lot of draft capital. And uh, who knows? They, it could be Carolina to... that decides to trade with them. We'll see. I don't think they will at this point. I think that they'll at least give Darnold an opportunity. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, that was the other thing, the Darnold trade. Yeah. Oh, Darnold. thank you for reminding me. Uh, yeah. yeah, Sam Darnold uh, gets traded for a second rounder. I think like a fourth and a sixth. Uh, I think those are like later dates. But yeah, Sam Darnold, Carolina Panthers. I think it'll be an interesting deal, mostly because um, the offenses currently are very similar besides the Panthers having Christian McCaffrey. Both have kind of def- decent O-lines. I mean, we saw Sam Darnold already play with Robert Robbie Anderson. Um, they lost Curtis Samuel, so they don't really have a number two guy. DJ Moore. Or yeah, DJ Moore. That's true. Yeah. No, I I like the Finn Carolina. I like Matt Rule. I think Matt Rule is a good coach. Obviously, if um, you, you got a pretty good one-two punch, and I just think the situation has a chance to be a lot better in in Carolina than it was in New York. Uh, I don't think he'll have the longest leash in the world, but I think he'll always be given a fair opportunity because obviously he's still super young. And even though he makes one to two complete bonehead throws a game, there's, there's obviously still talent. Yep. And then moving on from football, we have one of sports's uh, greatest events. We have the masters. Um, We saw its first ever Japanese winner, um, Colin, why don't you go ahead and help me pronounce his name for me real quick? I believe it's Hideki Matsuyama. Hideki Matsuyama. Um, I watched, I, I watched most of the Masters. Dude had an excellent third-round performance. Um, it was kind of cut off by a little – it had a little rain delay, and then he went six birdies and eight holes – which is really good, not only for the Masters, but the way the first couple of days the Masters was playing, I mean, it was unheard of to go six birdies and eight holes. The only other um, uh, key moments to point out was Xander uh, Shoffley. Shoffley. Xander Shoffley. I suck with names. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he was – I mean, he was in it, uh, but he had the – 
terrible um into the water shot on the par 316 i want to say yeah and he triple bogeyed and he triple bogeyed kind of kind of got him out of it if he would have parred there theoretically they would have been tied um and then i think the one other um main point was uh happy gilmore's caddy came out of nowhere and really put on a show uh will zalatoris Zalatoris, yes. He I think he was the only guy to shoot under par all four rounds. Yeah, and he was he finished only one back of Matsuyama. Oh yeah. I mean, he finished way before those guys that last group, and he still almost got himself into a playoff situation. Which would have been yes. Awesome. So credit to him. I know he's a young guy, but for me personally, I know a lot of people don't like watching golf or can't watch golf. For me, this is a sport that is if you want to buy stock and do a sport, golf is it's on the rise. It's it there's a lot of young guys. Obviously, you still have older guys like Bubba, Phil, Tiger, whenever he comes back. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of young guys. I mean, Shambo, we obviously saw his uh his workout video and then you know, shit the bed on hole one <laughs> or, or uh, round one, excuse me. But yeah, my pick uh, to win it, Justin Thomas. Good, not great. Shot an even par. Um, really good second round. But other than that, I mean, this is this is a sport that I know I am going to be watching a lot for the next couple of years. Yeah, the and- Masters are much watch, must watch for me every year. And I also want to know um, that Justin Rose had a phenomenal, um, I believe, second yes. round. And yeah, he just went insane on that uh, back nine. And, yeah, I mean, the Masters is a must-watch for me every year, even though I don't watch a ton of golf. I'm definitely getting more invested in the golf for the past year or two, like you mentioned. Guys like Brooks Kepka, DeChambeau, uh, Thomas, J- Dustin Johnson, lots of exciting guys who are kind of oh, yeah. in the primes right now. Even Jordan Spieth still makes the game a lot more exciting, who uh, was also up there for a little bit this weekend, which was good yeah. to see. Max Homa. Max Homa is one of my favorite. He uh he's very active on Twitter, very funny. The caddy with the bow at the very end was also amazing. Yes, I know yes. you all saw that. That was respect the course. That was Got sick. Course. That was sick. Yep, but I think that is gonna wrap up not only our masters talk, but I think that's gonna wrap up our recap of you know everything we, and we we did a decent job covering everything so far in April. We did we did we did all right. We'll uh we'll promise to be better. We got finals coming up. We're making so. a final push to the end of school. Donovan's got two weeks left. I have me and Colin have four. I four cannot half. fucking wait, man. And then summer, summer, summer. And then back to recording in the hot tub and not on Zoom for a good close oh, yeah. to three months. But yeah. I think that's gonna wrap up this episode of Tub Talk Sports Podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, share, leave a comment, five-star rating, share it with all your friends and family and your coworkers. Um, thank you so much. We'll see you in the next episode.